guys, welcome to Tamina Talks and happy new month to you, happy new month to you. I wish you the best in this month of November. It has been my best month and I'm very happy right now. I just I just can't explain it. Okay, today we'll be talking about something very different, very, very different from what I've been talking about before. So many things happened last month, the month of October, and what most of us Nigerians can actually remember about that month is the NSAT protests, and police brutality, and SWAT, and this is November. So most of us want us to know if the NSAT protest is still on or it has actually ended, and if it has actually ended, what might actually be the cause. And we also want to know if the youths are ready for the change we want to see in 2023. So I have guests to discuss the NSAT um, protests and other related matters with. So I can request that you introduce yourself so that our listeners can know you. Hi, my name is Tumishi and it's awesome to be here with Damilola Talks. I am a feminist, I am an entrepreneur and yes, still a law student in the University of Lagos. Um, my name is uh, Yusuf um, Uluwafemi Salako and um, popularly known as Amri um, David. I'm a 500 level law student of the University of Lagos, and I am the founder and head of research of the Ori David Concerts. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Divine. I am an advocate for sustainable development goals in full support of the NSARS movement. I am a law student, I'm a writer, and it's really nice to be here. Hey guys, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And as we discussed the NSAS protests that went on for weeks, I believe in the context of SARS itself, that's actually become a mental for. And what SARS represents my only two words might be different from yours. So, to some in our society, SARS represents all the inefficiencies, corruption, structural imbalances, and faults, and all the shenanigans of our political class. And some might just think that it's only about the police um, brutality. It represents the police brutality, the killings, and so coming together, um, irrespective of our, of our gender, tribe, age, to protest, to put an end to SARS, and what it actually represents in our own little world. I'll ask you guys a question What is SARS to you like? What do you think SARS represents in our society or your only to understanding? What what do you think is SARS that we need to end? Is it just the police brutality or um other things in our society that I think that are affecting our lives that we need to end? Yeah, I'll say SARS is every form of systematic oppression in our society by those who have been appointed to lead by those who have been appointed to serve us so yes it started with police brutality but we saw how it changed and evolved into so i mean into bad governance in nigeria so i would say that everyone is tired especially the youths we are tired of this form of oppression by those who have vowed to protect us, by those who have vowed to serve us, by those who have vowed to lead. Thank you, Dami, um, for that question. So, um, with respect to your question, what is SARS? First, I must admit that SARS may mean different things to different people, people from different backgrounds, depending on the angle in which they conceive and uh, feel uh, you know this unit of our police uh, force but for me i believe that SARS goes beyond uh, just that unit of uh, you know the police force that has more or less been used as an instrument of uh, brutality police brutality um, so to say on its citizens for me i think that SARS is simply a metaphor, like you rightly pointed out, a metaphor that exposes the inefficiency and the ineptitude of our government. It's a metaphor that reveals and uh, reflects uh, the bad leadership structure that we have 
in our in our country so and i think this explains the reason why even though the remonstrance started by calling for the total overhauling and hint of our size you find that later on it began to ponder and then began to you know move into other areas where we started to demand good governance you know principled centered leadership and uh, what have you so this is to tell you that um, SARS as uh, uh, an entity, so to say, it just goes beyond that uh, form of police brutality or, or thereabouts. All right, Dami, thank you for the question. I would say, in my opinion, that SARS is more than just the police brutality. It is metaphorical because this signifies oppressed people telling their oppressors that enough is enough. The SARS movement didn't just entail the end to police brutality. It was a major part of it, but it was not limited to it. Everybody was suddenly awake. Like, there was this alarm that went through the nation that made us all realize that in one way or the other, we were not living okay. We were suffering and smiling. So to me, the SARS movement was a stepping stone towards the real change in Nigeria. Or would I say it was the awakening call for us to stand and do something. Thank you so much guys for a brilliant answers. I really appreciate. And as Divine has rightly said, it was an awakening call for all of us to come out to fight for our rights and fight for the better and greater Nigeria that we've always wanted to live in and we've always wanted to see. So this will make me ask this question right now. So was it just an awakening call or it was just that our youths were angry, they were tired of being harassed, being brutalized, and being exploited by the police officers and and what if it um that didn't actually happen we if what if we were never victims of this police brutality harassment and exploitation do you think our youth would have actually raised their lives to come out to the streets and just say no to bad governance and so many things even though our um, politicians are becoming corrupt than ever day by day the actual strike is there so many things wrong with the system and do you actually think if the answers issue didn't come up, our youth would have raised their life to come out to the street and say no to bad governance, or they would have actually waited for an incident to happen just like the answers and all, and other um, events to happen that will make them to sort of so key? Yeah, I would say that um, police brutality was definitely a, a pushing point for us to get out on the streets but then if that didn't happen i'm pretty sure that we would have been on the streets either way because for like a lot of young people like me like we david like you damlola a lot of young people have haven't really enjoyed nigeria and we are trying we we are very resourceful we are very resilient but it seems like the government keeps trying to suppress us trying to um make life harder for us when we don't even ask for anything from them we don't ask them for money we don't ask them to provide health care we provide all these things ourselves but then it seems like even from the little we're trying to provide for ourselves you are also trying to eat out of it so even if um this um issue of SARS was non-existent i'm pretty sure that would have gone gotten out of the streets sooner on the streets sooner or later because honestly honestly it's nigeria isn't isn't it okay this incident was bound to happen that's what i would say permit me to use the word outburst there is an extent to which an oppressor can oppress the oppressed honestly because in one way or the other this would have come about 
the truth remains that we nigeria was not okay we were not living right so in one form or the other that's why i said this SARS was an awakening call it could have been that if this sad movement had not happened Asu strike we have made you to take to the streets and then from there we have realized that this the same way we realized that there was bad governance from this SARS movement, we will have realized from the same answer that we had bad governance. Anything could have actually made us have this outburst. That's just facts. No matter how little it was. But this SARS was because especially because these were law enforcement agents that were meant to protect lives that were taking lives extorting people had people in prisons so it was just too much and everybody just had would i say most people had a reorientation during this lockdown so people just couldn't take it anymore the oppressed just had to speak up honestly um well with respect to this question i I think it can go uh, both ways yes there is a possibility that if not for sars many of the nigerian youth may probably not have uh, you know gone ahead to speak up and then agitate you know for good governance and and um, demand a call uh, you know demand uh, uh, on hand to uh, all forms of uh, police uh, brutality and uh, excesses and the thing is you have to understand that generally in nigeria i believe that we have a culture um, a culture where we appear to have this inertia to act even when things that are happening uh, before our very eyes are things that we do not really like so we have this culture of well okay now you're just you know we're so indifferent uh, to things you know matters that demand our urgent attention matters that demand our agitations and um, advocacy we many of us have actually resigned that this country cannot work and so we just accepted uh, the excesses of governments as you know um, as normal and we all try to just find a way around it so but you know when you continue to then keep on oppressing the people there is a point where you push them to the wall and there is no place to go anymore than to just face uh, the assailants so to say so SARS was simply that assailant that has pushed the Nigerian youth to the wall. You know, oh, you know, no job. We found a way around it. We, many of us become entrepreneurs. You know, our educational infrastructure, nothing to write home about. We just continued to find viable means to ensure that all the excesses, the ineptitude. Um, of the government uh, doesn't really get to us that much so we just wanted to survive you understand the government wasn't doing so much but we continue to um, find alternatives to survive but then when we are doing all of this and then the government still continues to demonstrate it's uh, this you know I I don't I I don't know how to put it but the government continues to demonstrate that seal out for our lives you know our survivor is also being threatened of course <laughs> we can find viable means to uh, you know sustain ourselves but if you're going to then snuff out lives from us then automatically we have to also fight to be alive because the reason we were looking for all these other alternatives in the first place is so that we can still be alive to survive we do, we, we you know in nigeria the nigerian youth are uh hardly uh thriving we're just finding a way to survive you know we're just surviving so when you then threaten that survivor of course it would serve as you know a clarion call to do you know face the uh, the problem headlong and i think that was what happened with uh, sars and i must also point it out that nigerian youth even exercised 
unimaginable and unprecedented patience even with the excesses of the members of our you know SARS this SARS operatives it took a whole long period of time several have been killed many were reported many we didn't know about but I think it got to that point that we just felt that come on enough seems to be all enough if not all of us were going to lose our lives and I think it was that boiling point that's that threshold that the Nigerian government surpassed exceeded and that triggered you know that sense of patriotism that sensation to live a good life not just to even live anymore and you see that all of these were manifested with that um, two-week uh, you know remonstrance talking about the reorientation during this lockdown we can't actually find people and us who didn't support us in any way in the NSAS protest they didn't they kept mute they didn't support online offline on the streets or any way to just lend their voice to this struggle and most of us that couldn't even go to the street to protest we were doing that online we called them twitter warriors and all and we could even find some celebrities that were being forced to just come out and protest and even just to say something about the inside protest and even organizations too and we believe all of us have been oppressed. So are, are we going to say these people think um, um, it's not a time for us to fight or it's not affecting them? Or according to what I said, NSAS, SAT itself means different things to different people. Or some people might just actually say, okay, we are fighting for the Yahoo guys, like because um, some of them have been harassed by these SARS people, and because that's what some people think, that's why I'm not letting their voice. I don't know what can be the reason for some people to, and some maybe some Christian organizations that feel they are not interested in maybe it's in this protest, maybe it's worldly. I don't know, I don't actually know. So, what are you going to say about that? Is it, um, is it right for us to call them out? Because we believe all of us have been oppressed. Is it right for all of us should just choose to leave them to keep coping with that lifestyle or they are not tired yet? Do you understand the question I'm asking? There's there's a quote I really like and it says, um, if you choose to be silent during times of oppression, then you've chosen the side of the oppressor. So it's very simple. If you choose to be silent when people are being oppressed, then you're probably choosing the side of the oppression. We cannot afford to stay silent, especially Nigerians. Really, we cannot afford to stay silent because before we split into religious groups or ethnic groups, we are first Nigerians. We say we, I am Nigerian before I'm a Christian or I'm Nigerian before I'm Igbo because that's where we're born into, that's where we reside that's who the laws we follow so yeah we're right to call out different brands or different um celebrities or even religious organizations who refuse to acknowledge this because everyone is affected if i am not affected by it then probably someone i know is affected by it and we cannot just sit still while people are being oppressed yes dami i understand your question and when i spoke on reorientation during this lockdown i personally the people around me most of them had reevaluation on the type of life they lived or the how they handled life in general and we all came to the conclusion that we just have to stand for what is right and during this protest if like right from the beginning i always posted it and i always said it to people that if you're on the fence in the face of oppression, you're on the side of the oppressor. What exactly do you stand for if you are on the fence? You being like a person being on the fence in this type of situation doesn't just sit well at all. It is either you are oppressed or you are not. And for the companies, the people we had to call out to lend their voices. This the truth is we talked and Okay, they felt they should join the movement or whatever. But the fact remains that it was a choice to join this movement. Frankly speaking, 
it was a choice and this was something that majority saw as important i saw it as important you saw it as important we saw it as important therefore we joined the movement if we didn't see it as important we would have relaxed and maybe the people that were relaxed or lackadaisical about it that have seen that oh it doesn't concern me it doesn't affect me but i stood the ground that i would not wait for SARS or anything to affect me directly or to affect my brother or something before i take action and lead my voice the voice i learned in my own little way was my way of saying no to present and future oppression that was just that's like that is just the truth so and as for is it the christian associations or religious bodies that didn't say anything on it nobody personally their life go after in church nobody personally their life go um, patronize business and like we just needed to talk we just needed to speak up and people being silent about it was very like it was very very disheartening but at the end of the day it was a choice and we all know what the right choice was or what the right thing to do was and if they didn't feel that was the right thing to do fine good for them let them suit themselves but we know that this movement was the right movement Thank you so much, guys, for that. I really appreciate. Okay, now I'd like to ask this question: The NSAS movement, they had no leaders. Uh, they they didn't allow anyone to represent them as a leader, maybe in any negotiation or I don't know, it's maybe no official, whatever. And I know they have many reasons for doing that or for accepting that there should be no leader in the. Um, and SARS movement. So I would like to ask this question. We all know this man, this Sega, yeah, this Sega guy. And so many other people who were actually, who actually started this stroke, who like supported this NSAS movement even before it became as big as it is right now. Do you actually think maybe because um, we chose not to have leaders, maybe those people felt that have been exempted from this struggle and it chose to step aside or probably because um it all started as answers and later just um we started asking for um other things and bad governors reform this year and that so many hashtags so many hashtags under the answers and even though after the disbandment of the SARS, we started having NSWAT, do you think that really um, made some people to wash their hands of this NSAS movement or make them to just disown this movement or act as if they were they are not even part of us? Or you say some people are very scared of what will happen to us because it was about NSAS. Now we are asking our government to stop um, looting our money, stop doing this and that. You understand? So they might think the government might just be ash on us. And we actually saw that in the like, massacre, even though we talk about that later. So, what, what are your thoughts about that? For you, you believe if we actually had leaders, um, the government would have listened to us and would have given us what we wanted before um, the lucky massacre or genocide happened and all the killings would have happened if we actually have leaders. Do you also believe that um, so many things like that won't have happened if we actually have leaders? Or same thing will happen also if we actually had leaders then? Yeah, I'm really glad we all agreed not to have leaders because um, we know how the government of Nigeria operates through either threats or um, bribe. And then having one person spearhead the movement, that person could be compromised. And then at the, once the head is compromised, the body, everyone else is screwed. So, yeah, it was important that we stress we didn't have leaders. And as regards um, Sega Link, I appreciate that he was a pioneer of NSARS and he has actually done a lot for people who have been 
victims of police brutality but then at this moment he was it's either he joined the movement or took a step back because the movement is bigger than him this was nationwide this was nationwide every state every state had answers protests going on and then it's 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 he only one person could not control it and then even with the way sega link has been um coming in going out certain comments he has been making as regards the movement things and insurgency treason and all so it was really important we stuck together and had new leaders i feel that if we had leaders then um the, the protest might have ended <laughs> as soon as it started because even him said we should stop the protest so i'm really glad we didn't have leaders all right i was asked this question about two days ago and i'll give the same reply the no leader strategy was the best in my opinion because we were all speaking as one we didn't put certain people in the front line of fire because if we had said these people were our leaders they would have kept them or the government would have gone after them silenced them and would have automatically silenced everybody and when someone asked if we have no leaders what are we doing i said the only thing we can have for now are accountable representatives because you cannot put someone out there as the leader of this movement because you are up automatically signing the person up for death the government will go after that person and silence the person but because they had no one to pinpoint or no particular person to carry this movement got this far the government will not have met our demands sooner i can remember the likes of house sent letters upon letters addressed to the president and his subordinates asking that these are demands be met even the five for five and everything files kept on educating people about certain laws in nigeria that allowed us to do this and that the government didn't still meet the demand of they didn't meet our demands yet they went ahead and massacred people at leki oibo different places things happened I do not think if we had a particular leader this have gone far even the meeting of the video with the igp like they just did rubbish honestly pinpointing someone as leader in the likes of files aisha yesufu feminist coalition all of them would have just told the have just directed them at the government that these are the people leading this movement if you want to end this movement end them and honestly that would not just have been good for us at all okay about the lucky massacre that happened on 20th of october this year it's actually heartbreaking that my fellow nigerians peaceful protesters were being shot attacked at lucky targets that even having guns with them they had only the flag to put themselves it, it actually took me days to get over it and after that night also how politicians and um celebrities were making use of their platforms to tell the world that no one died that night i find it very disrespectful and it's actually sad that these people are trying very hard to cover up the truth and they're making it seem as if since bodies have not been recovered yet then the lucky massacre didn't happen at all it's actually very very sad even though most of us saw the dj switch um insta live session we saw how play were being removed from someone's body it's it's just very sad do you think the SS movement needs to do more to reveal the truth to the whole world to know the truth about what happened to our youth at the lucky target that night and you also think the SS movement needs to bring more facts to the table to make sure justice is being served and the whole world gets to know the truth about the lucky massacre I think um, something we need to understand is that even if nobody died, we need to know who authorized the shooting of peaceful protesters, unarmed protesters singing the national anthem and waving the flags at Lekki. We still need justice even if people didn't die i think that's what people need to understand that we need to know who authorized the shooting we need to see them 
brought to book we need to have the members of the army that shot at people apprehended now as regards people dying or not i watched the live i saw someone die i saw a man die on the day switch life and then the way the government has been trying to spin the whole narrative the way our president did not address it the way someone denied someone dying the way um bodies are missing the way people are coming out say that this person hasn't been found since the lekki massacre or oh, this person has been found since the lekki massacre we know our government and how despicable they are we know how they can try to how they have even tried to hide it i know a member of the military said that the video was photoshopped so we know they are going to try to deny it so it's up to us to never let them forget always keep reminding people i personally post on twitter every day that the lucky massacre happened it happened we all saw it let us not be brainwashed and let us not fall for and let us not play into their hands we all saw it international community saw it and it's up to us to continue to push for justice to be done for everyone that died everyone that was shot at okay for this question I would like to start by saying the Lekki Massacre is like a whole subtopic under the NSAS movement. A painful subtopic at that. The fact remains, lives were lost. In DJ Sweetie's live video, she said she counted 78 and definitely 78 and counting. As for the government, I seriously do not know what they are trying to hide. The video evidences are there. The military was released on the citizens and people died. They were trying to get into people's heads or trying to pay off people to say no lives were lost. And the government of Lagos State even came out to say there were no fatalities. And that was very disheartening. And after that, even after, during the president's press conference, supposed press conference, he claimed he didn't even speak about the lekki massacre it was very very painful the only thing we have there are the videos that kept on tweeting and retweeting on um twitter for people to see the truth because i feel this is how they hid facts back then because they didn't have this much technology we had there of recording the whole thing and all those stores I think they hid a lot of a whole lot of vital information from us back then and but now we have evidences our phones are there to help us and did you switch life i was on that life and i saw that particular guy that died i saw him die on that ig life that ig life is record i recorded that ig life so if for the government to come out and say not one single person died I was appalled to be frank amnesty international came out to say that they saw evidences and they were sure that people died as at wednesday or wednesday on arise news amnesty international director general came out to say that from the video as evidences they've gathered over 20 people died in that massacre and that was the same day the governor of lagos they said there were no fatalities in that particular massacre can you see how these people keep on lying aside that for the fact that the military came out to say that it was photoshopped that though dj switch's life was not a real video it was really really painful because that was happening i don't know why they are trying to get into people's heads to make them think it didn't happen but it did happen it actually did happen how do you say something like that is photoshop for god's sake they said their forensic team people gave it to forensic teams and they said that video was live i never even knew instagram video could be photoshopped someone in that type of massacre would think of how to photoshop a video excuse me then yesterday or so on new stations still the president said 
69 people died in the fatalities then someone look him out to say 62 then somebody else said 61 please give us the exact number of people that died in that massacre we are trying for this government to be accountable but even in the littlest things on the death of its citizens they keep on lying what exactly is their point yes we need to do more we need to keep on sharing out evidences that the lucky massacre did happen because they're trying to make people believe that it didn't happen as if no it was all a, a fairy tale or a story we just came up with and we decided to act it people died and in aspect of demo 2023 is still very far do you actually think um if the youth can use their votes to move our bad leaders and vote in the right candidates especially the youth um that will help to reveal more truth about the lucky massacre and other incidents that happened and also make sure that justice is being served okay um so quite frankly i for i for one i do not think that 2023 is uh, a year where we can achieve some sort of revolution and i use the word revolution in a specialized uh, manner in this particular setting i do not mean revolution in the true sense of the word i mean revolution in the sense where political apathy is no longer a thing that is common among uh, the youth when the youth uh, now decide to be actively involved in politics so you find that the uh, common trend or uh, the general perception of many people is that okay come 2023 we are going to make sure that we push away this old generation and we are going to take over and I'm, uh, for me I, I don't think that that is possible in 2023 i just think that we can start you know laying the foundation in 2023 and we can start these by looking inwards, not just looking at uh, the federal seats. We can start with, you know, councillorship, chairman, and, you know, all these other positions at the local level. And so with respect to your question as to whether 2023 to help reveal and all, I really, I, I can't say I'm not a clever yet, but um, as I rightly pointed out, I don't think in 2023 that the youth would, uh, with 2023 by that particular time uh, the youth would be the one in power i just think that the youth can send a strong message to them as into the whole generation and then the youth can start you know planning 2023 is actually still very far to start demanding for justice for the lekki massacre and i believe that we have our leaders where we want them we need to keep applying pressure keep demanding accountability now is the time i don't think we should wait to get our elected officials and um, our own preferred officials there before we now start getting justice no 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 we have to get it now so continue to apply pressure continue to demand for accountability and it's working you can see them um scrambling around it's working so we 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 have to collectively demand for accountability okay that mean for this i would say 2023 is still very far but it will surely come that's a fact and as for the incidents that happened and the way the government is trying to cover it up we all know that they cannot bury this one this time around they might have done it in the past they obviously did it in the past that way they're trying to play this script again but it is not happening this time around because we are pushing for what we want we are we are making our demands clear and loud loud and clear onto them that this is what we want this or nothing it is left for them to act on the demands the youth want or the demands the citizens want but as for scraping this or putting this under the carpet it is not going to happen this time around that is one thing i am setting for and come 2023 we are going to take the power away from those who do not have our best interests at heart we are going to take that power away from them most of them are saying wait until 2023 but before that 2023 we are going to make an impact in this nation we are going to sensitize people for them to vote right because 
these people come 2023 they'll start going around sharing things doing this doing that for people to come vote for them meanwhile when they are in power when they are supposed to work and do things they keep on failing so come 2023 we're going to use our pvcs the right way to vote the right people and if any form of thuggery is out there that the government wants to do or the people that want to hold on to the power wants to do we we know how we're going to do this that is why we are going through a strategized process we will come out we will vote the effect of INEC not giving out pvcs or the struggle to get pvcs that has to stop because those pvcs are needed and we will get them and are our youth ready for this or it's just going to be how it used to be the pdp apc politicians coming to us empty promises trying to convince us to vote for them or you believe our youth are trying to i have heard about the um, nigeria youth democratic party or nyp or nydp do you think we are actually serious about this we are actually ready to take over come 2023 and it's not just going to be how it used to be and i would like to ask is the answers protest on okay let me answer the uh, second question first as to whether the answers protest is still on and with this our answer in the affirmative it is very much on uh, because when you understand that the answers protest um, is a protest that you know uh, is a compassion in the sense that it's a protest that demands a uh, total hand to police brutality the protest that demands good governance it's a protest that demands police reform and when you look at this you find that these aspirations are not aspirations that have been met and you also recognize that these aspirations are not aspirations that can actually be made by one sw- uh, swooping action so it takes a, a process and so with all this you still understand that the answers protest is still on even if we do not um, you know um, eat the streets you still find that one way or the other we are still protesting we are still lending our voice and we are, uh, the youth are still being at a lot and you understand that you know there is a panel that has been set up to look into you know cases of maltreatment police brutality and also this is more of a continuum of uh, the old remonstrance that took place um, for about two weeks ago you understand so the answer protest is still very much on and as to whether our youth are ready or whether it will still be business as usual well i really wouldn't be able to say because like i said i'm not a clairvoyant but if we want to look at what is obtainable at this present time you find that from all indications we can see that the youth are actually ready but I, like I said earlier, it's not, it's not going to be easy, and I don't think that 2023 is the year. I just think that 2023 is part of the process. You get what I'm saying? Uh, but I think that if we look at present uh, circumstance, uh, the youth are ready to, you know, make a statement in that 2023, and the youth are ready to let them know that in the, let the old generation know that it is not going to be easy for them to want to uh, go the usual way business as usual but one thing i'm scared of is that you know the old generation uh, you understand this is a generation that has been in this game for long they are they have the resources they are also well experienced they are well versed they also filled with uh, wisdom but I, I would probably attack that crude wisdom so they are masters of this game and so they wouldn't also just look they know the way uh, they know the way the feelings are currently and you know like you said 2023 is still somewhat far so right now they may look like maybe they really do not care about you know the you uh, the angst of uh, the youth but i'm just scared that when you know 2023 is very much in the huffing and the elections are running here and there you can just see some sort of a sudden change in attitude you understand now look now see uh, a sort of um, old generation seeming to be accommodative of uh, the youth uh, old generation seeming to want to uh, you know take the youth into the fold of uh, things and it's just more of a political gimmick um, so i'm just scared that 
you know, the fire, the rage, the hunger, the indignation in us might have actually quelled uh, before then. But let's look at the way it is. Uh, that is why we need, you know, to keep on sensitizing our people. We need the orientation to let them know that it's not about hunger. It's not about rage. It's about, you know, just looking at the way things are and then it's about demanding that things are done the proper way that they should be done. So education is very important and I think it is one of the things that we can channel our, and we can direct our energy to, you understand, at this particular point while we prepare for 2023 and beyond 2023. I believe that we have found our voices. I think I've said it before that we found our collective voices and I don't think we are going to lose it anytime soon. We are so resilient and we are tired. We we know what we want. So we um however we want to do it, whether it's the youth democratic party, whether it's forming a new party, whether it's pushing our um representatives in the grassroots in the senate in house of reps house of assembly everything pushing them into places that matter where we can effect the change we want in every level it's not just about shooting for the presidency now it's about um, being part of lawmakers being part of the, um, um even the police force itself for us to start um dipping our hands and um putting effort into occupying positions everywhere and i be and i pray and i hope that we we will not lose this uh, voice that we found the truth is we will never know how ready we are or if we are ever ready for something or we are put in a position to take up that particular thing the truth remains that everybody is tired like everybody is tired especially the nigerian youths we are tired so it is either we continue to be oppressed or be under the oppressors or we take the bull by the horn and we face the problem square on whether or not we are ready we are moving towards being ready that is what i will say between now and 2023 we are going to decide on strategic plans to be able to move this nation forward and with the way things are going everybody let me just say everybody i don't read everybody is if you're not fit for this position please leave do not go there and start intimidating your citizens or squandering the or embezzling funds or we are not ready for that anymore in this country it is either you are there to serve the people or you are out of the game the political party yes that political party i believe it is going to stand because there is no way we will want to go through either apca or pdp or all those parties that exist and they and they would not want the effect of godfatherism to take place no like we cannot afford for that to happen we cannot afford for some certain people that will come and place people as figureheads there to come and be ruling people we do not want that anymore we have seen the effects time and time number it's been 60 years and even when we had democracy it is still not working that god for that reason effect has to stop that is why i will encourage this political party to be formed yes i would encourage it and i believe we we are ready in fact we are ready for us to have taken to the streets we are indeed ready as for the enters protest whether it's still going on in our various ways in our little ways in the online or in sensitization of people we are taking this protest forward we are not protesting by gathering on the streets anymore that does not mean that we are not doing it in our own little corner i i myself i keep on tweeting every day and says we must never forget this movement that the people in diaspora are still carrying this movement still making sure our voices are heard we should not slack back we should not slack or we should not relent we should keep on pushing for what we want because sooner or later 2023 will surely come so it is encouraged that in a little way we do this in a little way we can sensitize people out there the talks out there that these people might try to use come election time 2023 we can go there sensitize them when we are buying something from the market the market women they see our pain we can also sensitize them and tell them that these people are not for us they do not have our best interest as how they are only there for their selfish 
gains so yes we are ready and we are going to take on the political party i believe we are ready okay thank you so much for your contributions i really appreciate and i would just like to use one minute to just say one or two things to the youths listening to this podcast right now i would say dear nigerian youths i will use we because i am a nigerian youth i want to say we are awesome we're doing what they never expected we would do in their wildest dreams we are going great we are doing great we have the attention we want and we are well organized therefore they cannot break us they cannot come between us the divide and rule system they used in their time is not working for us because we are one united body i just want to say let's keep going strong let's keep this movement the way it should be let us keep on pushing for the life that we deserve to live honestly we deserve to live better than the way we have been living i just want to say i'm happy and proud to be one of us i'm happy to be a nigerian youth and i pray that our efforts will never be in vain much love nigeria okay uh, my message is very simple i just want to um, reach out to every other youth out there and to continue to encourage everyone to keep on uh, you know, speaking up. Um, this is not a time to keep to our council. This is not a time to be reticent. Uh, this is a time for us to be observant. It's a time for us to come together, um, for us to kind of create um, an ordered structure. It's time for us to you know, look inward and for us to try to equip ourselves so that we can place ourselves in a better position a strong position come 2023 this is not a time to feel disenchanted or demoralized we didn't lose we won and we won across all frontiers so that is this is just uh, my message to everyone let's continue to raise the flag let's continue to lend our voices let's continue to watch and let's continue to speak against injustice, brutalities, and every other form of social here. Yeah, um, thank you for having me again, Damlola. It's I'd like to say to everyone listening that your power is your voice, and then whatever you want, you should demand it. You are entitled to enjoy in this Nigeria because we we are legitimate in our hustle we are resilient we are good we are kind so um i am listening and hearing so many stories about people misplacing items in protest grounds and then people keeping it for them um saying hey um someone left his phone or someone left their purse and it's been so inspiring to see the generation of nigerians that are bursting up so i just like to say let's keep at it we definitely can do it Justify the case of their mother. The chief of staff. 